Kate Fitzsimmons at Anime NYC 2021. I'm here with Erica Swanson of Belossums. Hi, how's it going, everyone? So can you tell our listeners what Belossums is? Belossums is an adventure series featuring little flowers that go on adventures, so it's all about where they bloom next. And uh, is it part of a larger group, or is it something you do yourself? No, I do it all myself. I voiced it, I wrote it, and I animated it myself. It's based on storybooks that I wrote and illustrated, and I'm uh, using the art to help promote the show. So how has your Anime NYC 2021 been? It's been really good. It's my first show in New York. I'm actually from Chicago. I'm used to doing C2E2 and Anime Central, and so it was kind of a shift, but it was fun to visit the city and see all the new stuff. Thank you very much. And is there anything you've noticed different about cons uh, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic? No, I think everybody's just excited and ready to be back. <laughs> and is if you could tell our listeners one thing that I haven't asked you about, what is it? Um, that I'm a huge Sailor Moon fan. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> Hi, this is Kate Simmons from Publishers Weekly Comics World here at Anime NYC 2021, and I'm here with one of the proprietors of the MT Star booth. Um, could you introduce yourself? What's your name? Uh, my name? Yeah, Team Man. Hi. So, uh, how has this year been compared with other years? Uh, it's not so bad. It's good. Okay, have nice. you worked other uh, Anime NYCs? What, what other cons do you guys go to? Uh, we go everywhere. The Anime, uh, Anime Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, Anime Frontier, and LA Expo. Okay, thank you. And um, has this year been different um, from the years before the pandemic? Or, or what's similar, what's different? It's not really the same. Okay. Um, is there anything that you would like our listeners to know that I haven't asked you? Oh, nothing. Okay. Thank you. Hi. I'm at Kate. I'm Kate Fitzsimmons from Publishers Weekly. More to come. And I am here at the Teflon Funk booth. If you could introduce yourself and your work. Hi, I'm Stefan Matera, creator of Teflon Funk. Excellent. So, how has your Anime NYC 2021 been? Overall, pretty good. Uh, I stuck to my table all weekend, and I mostly just sold a lot of good art books and comics, which was the goal. So, mission accomplished. And um, compared to pre-pandemic cons, uh, what was this one like? What was your impressions? Uh, it was a lot more people than I thought it would be, honestly, which was pretty positive in terms of how things were last year. So, I'm looking forward to doing more cons, and hopefully things get even more back to normal within the next coming you know, few years, hopefully. How were sales? Actually, it's shockingly, shockingly good. I was, I was, maybe because I had lower expectations, but I think that's what keeps me in line, you know? Thank you so much. And uh, if there's one thing that I haven't asked you that you'd like to tell our listeners, what would it be? Oh, uh, yeah, just check out Teflon Funk. It's T-E-P-H-L-O-N-F-U-N-K. Just Google it. I'm everywhere. Thank you so much. I'm not sure if we're supposed to just start or if. Let's do it. There's, there's nobody, no person of authority here other than me. So I guess, <laughs> I guess I'm gonna start it. Um, and the reason I'm gonna start it is because there is so much ground to cover, and we don't have very much time. So I'm excited to get into this. So um, I'm gonna begin. My name is Jana Morishima. I am a literary agent 
and the founder of a community called Kids Comics Unite, which is um, a geared towards writers and artists who are interested in kids and YA comics. And I have an amazing panel of people here that I'm going to introduce in just a moment. Uh, the important thing to know is that uh, I actually organized this panel for one person. I organized it for myself. <laughs> I, I was so, I've been really fascinated with this topic about webcomics and how it's changing the landscape of comics. And I've been dying to, sm to talk to really smart people who know more about this than I do. And then Anime in New York City started coming up on the calendar, and I was like, oh, this is my chance. <laughs> so I gathered all these people here to get today to talk about this topic, and I had a hunch that there might be other people besides just me who'd be interested in hearing about it, and I guess I was right. <laughs> so I'm very excited about that. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce our panelists. So to my left, I have Michael Sun, who is the VP of content for Tapas. Tapas is one of the largest webcomics platforms um, in the United States. And so he's kind of coming from the perspective of this new emerging publishing part of the ecosystem that is just exploding in popularity. Um, and then next to him, I have Heidi McDonald, who is a journalist and the founder of The Comics Beat, and she's been in the comics industry for a very long time. And one of the things that is great about Heidi is that she always has her eye on the horizon and is thinking really deep thoughts about where comics is going. And so I really wanted her to be on this panel as well. And then next to Heidi, I have George Rohack, who is the founder of Organized Havoc, a public benefit corporation uh, that specializes in artist management. And George works with individual creators, and some of whom, some of them have built up enormous uh, platforms and audiences on their own, so completely separate from a corporation, which I think is super cool and amazing. And so George is going to be talking from the perspective of how do individual creators do that. And then at the end, we have Manuel Godoy, who is the founder of Black Sands Entertainment. <laughs> and Manuel is a comics creator, an entrepreneur, and a visionary. Seriously, every time I talk to Manuel, I walk away and I have learned something new, and he's inspired me and made me just super excited about what's coming down the pike. So what I'd like to do with this panel is uh, I'm, the first question I'm going to ask of all the panelists, and then from there on I have, panel, uh, I have questions that I might direct initially to one of you, but I really would like you to feel free to just jump in, you know, let's have a free-flowing conversation if possible. And at the end, I definitely want to leave some time for Q&A, so I have to make sure I, maybe you guys in the back, when we're getting close to time, you can go crazy, so I know. Um, so... The first question is simply about background. So I want to ask each of you, how is it that you got into comics, and then what what has been your role in webcomics specifically? So, Michael, we can start with you. 
Oh my gosh. Um, so I actually started uh, in comics by teaching a student-run course at UC Berkeley. Um, one of our co-founders was actually a UC alumni, and so he attended one of my lectures, and uh, he, he fell asleep. Um, <laughs> but at the end of it, he approached me and he was like, hey, I have this really cool opportunity. I'm trying to build like this webcomic platform. And uh, he, he pitched me at that moment. He was like, hey, Michael, if you could do anything, what would it be? I was like, oh, I'll do like X, Y, and Z. You know, there's like, when people think about comics, they think about like Sunday funnies and superheroes, and I want to do everything in between. And he was like, come work for me. And so uh, the opportunity kind of fell in my lap, so I was like super lucky. Um, started off as an intern, uh, first and last of the unpaid interns, uh, and just got to like Game of Thrones my way up, and now I'm at the, at the <laughs> VP level. Um, but I think that, you know, my impact on, on webcomics is, you know, I currently run um, Studio Tapas, which is responsible for all of our original uh, co-productions with creators. And one of my goals is to, like, work directly with creators so that um, when we develop together, they have equity and that the work is ultimately working for them. Um, and uh, hopefully we can make long-lasting impacts uh, on the comic industry as a whole by empowering creators more and more through this process. Oh. Uh, me? Okay, so, um, yeah, well, my mother was a cartoonist. She was an artist, and she really inspired me um, with her art and introduced me to reading comics and... Um, so I just was to the manner born, I think is the best way to put it, but I started writing about comics a long, long time ago, and then I ended up editing comics for Disney, for Disney Adventures magazine, and also DC. I worked at DC and edited, um, what did I edit there? Uh, Scooby-Doo, um, Swamp Thing, all different kinds of things, and then I left that and went back to journalism, so I, and, and uh, uh, Jana... I mean, very flattering. But uh, at the beat, I do try to cover all the aspects of comics, not just superhero comics. So, you know, we, I've been covering anime and manga and the rise of web comics for really the last 15, 20 years. And so I just love comics. <laughs> I don't know. And uh, I don't know why. I just do. And it's a great community. I love the people I meet in comics. I love seeing the art. I love holding the art in my hand, and I love looking at it on my computer. And I am fascinated to hear what everyone else on this panel has to say because such an exciting time, such an amazing variety of distribution channels and um, creativity. It's unfettered, uh, almost more unfettered than it's ever been, I think. So just, uh, you know, the sky's the limit, and very, very excited to see where it goes. So... Um, so, let's see, real quick. Calvin and Hobbes to X-Men to then falling out of comics to then getting it back into comics via OGNs and OEL boom back in the early aughts to then reading a bunch of people's stuff on, like, live journal. I'm dating myself. Um, to then uh, going to comic and anime conventions in the early aughts and then getting to befriend people like Anand Panagria and Brian Clevenger, who did early webcomics Apple Geeks and Ape the Theater, to then just kind of doing projects with them, going through school, doing, like, little side things with them, getting to work for Oni Press after I graduated, and then pivoted to just working directly with creators with other companies I was doing and just really get enjoyment out of like helping people make a living with it. So that's been the past 20 years. <laughs> Live journal. Live journal. 
Um, how I got into comics was uh, I failed miserably making video game Black Sands. Um, so I pivoted. I pivoted like most people who want to run a business do, and I made a more viable product and a comic book series called Kids to Kings. It eventually went back to the name Black Sands, but it was my first thing in 2016. So I did my Kickstarter, had a, a much success on that. Decided to do 25 um, conventions a year in 2017 and 2018, wore myself out, but learned that I could make a lot more money online, so I started focusing on that. In 2020, I took a giant risk and decided to raise capital for my company, uh, raised a million dollars in order to make a digital platform similar to Webtoons to Pass and all the rest, uh, but for black comic book creators and their fans. I felt like they were a little drowned out, and I wanted to open the gates for them. So we have done that successfully, um, and now in 2021, we are looking to expand. We're currently in our next round, so it's a lot of exciting things going on, and this is all independent. I still have yet to get a deal. <laughs> Am I right? Are they amazing? <laughs> All right. So let's get to it. All right. So the first question, I'm going to direct this first to you, Michael, mm -hmm. is about publishers versus platforms. What is the difference for a creator between working with a publisher versus working with a platform? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting question because Tapas is kind of a, a bit of both. Um, we're, we're an open publishing platform where anyone can... Uh, uh, partner with us and, and produce their their stories and publish their stories and we're also a, a publisher because we we do have our studio tapas arm which you know produces all original uh, stories um, so typically the, the difference is like publishers have to rely on like distributors and and markets you know like Barnes and Noble and you know rest in peace borders um, to help them distribute right um, so you know typically publishers don't have a lot of direct access to to the fans and they're kind of like a middleman in, in that way whereas like platforms are kind of more open ended they can be a lot more diverse um, but each have their own strengths and weaknesses depending on kind of like what you want to get out of the experience if you're a creator. Yeah. Do you guys have anything to add? Yeah, I would like to follow up on that yeah. too. Um, from the creator side, you know, um, if you're looking to go to a publisher, you're giving away a lot more rights than you are working with a platform. A platform typically wants one piece of your pie. So a digital platform wants your digital rights, but they don't care about your physical rights. They don't care about your physical sales or how you make your stuff. They just want the digital content. So that's the thing about it, right? Platforms very specific on what they want. Publishers tend to want everything. <laughs> but they pay you and they do all the work, so. <laughs> all right. The next question is actually I'm going to direct it to you, George, first. And that is about copyright and ownership. I think this is something you care a lot about. So. Yeah, yeah. This, is, this has been a thing for like the past 20 years. And at every show I do a panel at, like I'm talking about this because there's so many publishers that pop up and then like try and just really rip creators off. And it's a bummer. And so like if anybody here is thinking about doing like their own uh, work, a couple things to like have in mind. If a, if a publisher, platform, partner, anyone comes at you and is like, hey, we want exclusive digital rights, ebook rights, the print rights, merchandising rights, foreign language rights, media rights, and is like, and we're gonna pay you practically nothing, 
And if we do that, it might even be refundable. Um, <laughs> run. Because that is, like, super predatory. And it's like, I mean, you chuckled. Like, you've certainly seen those types of deals, right? I've made them. But it's like, it, it's one of those things where if enough money is attached, it's like, sure, fine. Like, you can potentially let some of those things go. But it's like, you know... It, it realistically, whoever you're working with should be kind of bringing to the table the tools for you so that you are able to actualize on, you know, your IP, your comic, and make money with it different ways and not just have everything in one basket so that if it falls apart, like, you're out of luck. So, um, George, I know you've been, like, a really huge advocate for pointing these things out on Twitter. How do we get more creators to, I guess, not be afraid of asking these questions and, like, advocating for themselves? I mean, that's where, like, <laughs> agents agents come in a good bit there. And, I mean, because there's so many uh, creators that also feel, like, bad about, like, oh, if I ask questions or push back, if I don't have an agent on a deal, that then I'm going to rock the boat too much and then no publisher is going to want to work with me or they're going to cancel everything. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, no, I mean, like, practically every publisher that I've worked with creators on, like, they're going to ask for as much as they can initially. And then, you know, you can be like, no, I want to keep these things for this reason. And, you know, the parties to work with are ones that will be like, okay, well, if you're already doing like this and you have full control over that and you have a system set up and you don't need to use our resources, sure, we don't mind that we won't get to do that. But, yeah, the biggest thing is just recognize that if you are going to talk to someone and they are not going to acquiesce to anything or they take offense to you being like, hey, can we change this? That's an indication as to what your relationship is going to be for the life of your comic. I, you know, I just want to point out the most um, basic thing is that when you create it, you own it. You own it 100%. You own all the rights in perpetuity and all media known to cross the universe, okay? <laughs> and then it's up to you to sign them away. And, you know, if, right, George, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. And so, you know, I would say get yourself an agent or a lawyer, and, you know, it's really important. I mean, there are a lot of great publishers out there, and I would say, luckily, most publishers want it to be a partnership, you know, and that is how it should be. It should be a partnership with your publisher that they want you to succeed, and you want them to succeed so that you both grow and you both do better. But, um, you know, there are... Uh, don't be afraid, and don't be afraid to go to an agent or to get a lawyer and get some advice about it. You know, creators, just because you know how to make great comics does not mean that you're a great business person. <laughs> right? Is that, can we all agree to that? Yeah. And so if you're not good at, you know, I run my own business. I've run my own business for like nearly 20 years. And, you know, I am terrible business person. I'll say that. You know, I'm terrible at accounting. And awful at it. And, you know, so I hired an accountant. And so that's what I did. Because the money that I spent on an accountant was so much better than me having to do it myself. So anyway, you know, don't, don't be afraid to reach out for help. And, um, you know, that, that will, and also don't, like George just said, don't be afraid that they'll think, oh my god, this person's too much trouble. Because if they do, they are scammers. Okay? It's nothing wrong with getting a representation to help you. Because not all artists are good 
business people. Um, I, I would like to follow up too uh, on because uh, you know I said you know I make those deals, right? <laughs> uh, so I want to be clear on that, right? Uh, if you have a reputation, a reputation already, if you have already made comic books and you have already gone to market, then I give you a much better deal, right? And you own your rights because you've already proven that you're capable of doing this. But somebody who wins a patron competition, right? And you know they pitched like one page, right? And they never done a comic book in their life. Right, I'm basically going to have to mentor them all the way through the process. Right, so that's a very, very different deal from somebody who actually has been established. So that that's what I was saying. You know, when the the, the 360 deal is because they don't even exist yet. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So this next question, I'm not really sure who to direct it to on the panel, so I'm going to let you jump in, which is about creator income. How have web comics expanded, diversified, or changed the way that creators earn an income now as opposed to how people earned an income from comics 10 or 20 years ago? Uh, it has so radically changed, and there's so many more avenues and tools for creators to start getting support. Um, you know, 20 years ago, people doing web comics, it was uh, you were a shirt monger. Like you, you went to conventions, you made shirts. Typically, it was a terrible logo shirt, and uh, or like just the catchphrase from your comic, um, and that's how you kind of like were able to earn income. There wasn't Patreon, there wasn't you know, there wasn't services that were print on demand, there wasn't fulfillment partners for small e-commerce stores. So that was the way you had to do it. But now you have things like Kofi, you have Patreon, you have you know the Print on all the print on demand services that you can throw a design up, not worry about inventory, make a smaller amount, but you can get designs out there. And then there's plenty of fulfillment partners. And the most important thing that has changed the landscape of comics is uh, Kickstarter. Um, crowdfunding uh, is a complete game changer. People can now sustain themselves and get a living having only like a couple hundred like people who will reliably back them in their projects and be able to produce books on an annual basis and you know keep a roof over their head and it's not like they're getting like written up a, a bunch of places or getting a bunch of awards but they're putting food on the table and paying rent and that's radically different from what it was even you know a decade ago so that's absolutely the biggest changes i've seen i mean michael do you work with um, like, I mean, you know, like the fulfillment hmm. houses. I mean, do you work with these kind of in entities? Or, I mean, uh, the same question for you. I mean, so jump in. <laughs> you can go first, yeah. yeah. Please. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, um, for digital stuff, uh, patron is definitely something that's big, uh, but very, very hard to grow. Um, typically what we do is for people who are featured on the BSP Comics app, uh, they tend to get a featured deal that's pretty standard for everybody. It's 10 US dollars per page. And we're talking about regular comic book pages. So some people have like 500 pages, 1,000 pages, right? And if they do, then they get like $10,000 for us for a license for a full year and then it's renewable in the second year at a 50% increase. That's how we do our deals. Now, the reason why that deal would be lucrative to them as opposed to what's, you know, and you're like, oh, it doesn't sound that much from 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 that perspective, but nobody's offering them anything. Comicsology takes their content for free, you know, and, and as a result, the deal is better than what's being offered, right? So people who want to supplement their income with something for their digital content that they weren't making any money on the years prior, right? 
think that's a great deal. Plus, who knows what will happen if we actually get advertising revenue, which someone liked to pass, <laughs> right? <laughs> There's a lot more about uh, when it comes to advertising revenue on their platforms. We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I mean, one thing that was really important to us um, at, at Tapas was we wanted to introduce like monetization tools for creators that wouldn't hurt the reading experience. And I, I think a large part of it has to do with so many of us are creators ourselves. Embarrassing to admit, I am a failed writer and artist, um, but I just happen to be decent at editorial, thank God. Um, but we introduced uh, microtransactions to uh, content sales and what it allowed us to do is you can publish for free and through a premium program, maybe like 20% of the story is completely free to read so people can check it out fall in love with the characters, get engaged with the story, and then they're asked to pay anywhere from five to, to twenty-five cents for the next episode. But you know, it was important for us to integrate uh, the option to watch video ads so that you can generate your own ink, which is our internal currency. So, you know, younger readers just short of you know stealing your parents' credit card could still experience the stories. Uh, and then we partnered with other apps so that you can download like mobile games and get like thousands of ink in order to unlock stories. So you know at the end of the day, while we do want to create monetization tools, we don't want to hurt the reader experience at all. Um, and I think this is like a really elegant solution. Um, but we always encourage our creators to, to supplement this by exploring things that, that George had mentioned, like, like Kickstarter is a great avenue to explore additional monetization, Patreon, T-shirts, um, more recently probably enamel pins, um, which are super huge and cool. Um, but yeah, I think uh, the future is still evolving when it comes to what kind of cool tools we can introduce to empower creators to engage with their readers in new and you know unique ways. Cool. All right. So the next question I have, maybe we'll start with you, Heidi. Um, is print versus digital? So do you know anything about, is there any evidence of whether uh, web comics drive print sales or whether they cannibalize on print sales? I, I, you know, we the, the, the buzzword for a long time was additive, and I do think it's all additive. And, you know, you have all these channels, these channels of distribution, and they're very different. And they, I don't know, they don't cannibalize. I mean, you know, Wimpy Kid is the best-selling um, you know, book series on the universe right now, and that started as a free webcomic, and the, the webcomics were up for free for the, at least the first couple of years that that series came out. I mean, I know this is not really webcomics. That's a big, we could have a whole, you know, five-hour panel about that. But, yeah, it counts, um, it counts, yeah, it yeah, counts. Yeah, it does, it, counts. it does count, yes. <laughs> kids on our team. We, we, we all, you know, and he would be the first to say that, actually. But um, no, it, it's 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 additive because if there's pandemic has taught us one thing. It's that people do like holding things in their hands, and we all got really really bored, right, of looking <laughs> at our screens to do every freaking thing, and um, to pick up a book became really a pleasure. And I mean, we've just seen so many. Uh, very popular web comics be very very successful uh, printed books. I mean, George. I mean, obviously, you know, you work with Ngozi and Check Please is a great example. Yeah, and, yeah. I yeah. mean, 
I mean, I mean, like, yeah, so, you know, I keep meaning to finish this paper that I've been writing that <laughs> has all the data from, like, Atomic Robo, Check, Please, um, you know, Johnny Wander, that's basically a, here is how these comics that kept living online when they came out in print and have digital store versions and, like, you know, other digital, like, paid-for versions, how all of those sales kind of, like, run in tandem, and all of them are successful. Um, and it's very much like, you know, it depends on where, like, marketing dollars are put on them, but it's like, there used to be, you know, five, uh, like a little over five years ago, there was, in in publishing a very much this, like, idea of oh, if you keep it on the online for free, no one's going to pay for it, so you need to take that down. And I've always been like, no, no, it's like the best thing, because you make a fa- you make someone a fan of something, and then they want to, like, own the thing and keep it. Like, that's me. I If I love a comic, I want a, like, cool physical copy of it. Um, you know, if it's bad, then I'm probably not going to buy it, but you know, um, I'd be even angrier if I read a bad thing and I was like, oh, I spent money on that. Um, so it's it's something that you know is really enriching for everybody involved. I mean, again, Ngozi's the best example. She's a New York Times best New York Times bestseller for content that had been online for several years at that point. So and that you know, she'd already crowdfunded, too, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. There's like multiple. I mean, it is that's a perfect example of the multiple revenue streams of, you know, that she was a success in all of them, you know, because it's a great comic. And, I mean, Laura Olympus uh, just came out in print from from Random House, and it's on the Bass. You saw it in Publishers Weekly, where I used to work, uh, that was on the top five. Now, Wimpy Kid is number one, by the way. New Wimpy <laughs> Kid just dropped. That's number one. But uh, Laura Olympus is number five. And, I mean, I'm yeah. sure we know, you know, Webtoon just announced yesterday that they were launching a graphic novel imprint called Unscrolled. And, you know, Tapas, other shoe, waiting, waiting. Not ready to announce yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're going to hear that, Shoe. I mean, I don't want to put Michael on the spot. Uh, he's, he's such a gentleman. But, uh, yeah, there is um, so, there. you know, there's a lot of different models. You know, there's a, a company called Rocket Ship that works with a lot of web cartoonists, and they will run your crowdfunding for you, and then they put it out in print, and they work with distribution. I know you guys work mm-hmm. with Rocket Ship. Um, you know, there's other crowdfunding platforms. I mean, Kickstarter is, is one, but there's another one called Zoop that also yeah. is kind of offering a lot of services. You know, I, I just I want to reiterate that, um, you know, the product is you. The product is the comic. That's where everything comes from. And that's why there's all these different systems and, and revenue streams and different channels and different business models that want to be able to help to get their cut of the pie. You know, it's a it's a very valuable pie. <laughs> we uh, a few years ago did this really fun collaboration with a comic publisher called Boom Studios, and uh, I really love this comic called Heavy Vinyl. It used to be called High Five Fight Club. I don't know if many of you are familiar with it, um, but uh, they had like this really great four issue run, and I felt like Tapas had a readership that would really fall in love with that story. And maybe that readership wasn't there every Wednesday in the comic shops, and maybe that's why the sales weren't as great as it could have been. And so we took the original pages, we reformatted it to be vertical scroll, and it looks like it was always meant to be read on a phone, which is really cool. Um, and we reignited the fan base, and it, it did so well that it 
Boom ended up doing a second volume of, of heavy vinyl. And so I, I'm not really worried about cannibalization of digital and print. I, I think, like, you know, Heidi and George mentioned, it's all additive. Um, you know, we're seeing Soul Leveling, one of the biggest titles on top of us, doing really well over at Yen Press. Uh, and later this year, we'll be publishing The Beginning After the End, which is, like, an, another really big hit. And hopefully, it's all additive and collaborative together. And, you know, I think we're still trying to figure out ways that we can work more closely with traditional publishers and, and show them that, you know, it's going to be a fruitful partnership down the road, hopefully. Manuel, can you say anything about how you've seen uh, numbers in print affect, uh, or h- how you've seen digital um, publication of Black Sands affecting numbers in print? Do you see a, any correlation there? No. No. <laughs> no correlation. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a print guy first, so uh-huh. you know I don't even get a chance to see if digital matters, and I'm always <laughs> selling print. So. Yeah. All right. So uh, the next question I have is about making things better in the comics ecosystem. So any of us who work with creators know that it is not an easy job. It's very time-intensive. It's labor-intensive. It's psychologically tiring. Um, and not to mention, you know, always being worried that, like we were talking about earlier, that you could potentially be taken advantage of by some large entertainment conglomerate. Um, so what can we do? What are what are some of the the changes or um, new initiatives that you would like to see happen in the comics world? Um, well, I think there should be a lot more equity crowdfunding going on. Um, you know, I can't be the only one doing it. So, so there has to be, um, there's a lot of companies out there that know what they're doing, that, uh, know how to groom new talent, right? Get them going, teach them the ropes on how to make a production schedule and recruit and do contracts correctly, right? Um, and those companies need capital in order to expand, right? Because they can only manage two or three, um, you know, teams before they're basically maxed out. They need capital. Uh, the best part about it is you get to own a part of their company. So, you know, if you really think that they've done their job and you check those audited financials and you see, hey, look at that. Turns out this company is actually doing pretty good, right? Then go ahead and invest. And, you know, it, it, it you know, I'm telling you guys that, but at the end of the day, they have to do it too. So these companies got to actually have some ambition. All right. There's a lot of people that get like two or three books out there and they're like, hey, I'm good. I'm doing great. Look at me. I'm winning, right? And it's like, yo, we gotta, we we gotta grow. We gotta grow. We gotta evolve. We gotta get big, right? And that's the only way you're gonna be able to um, get good deals for creators because if there is no competition, then you they have no bargaining power. They need to have viable options in order to drive the price down. You understand? So that's all I gotta say. Sorry. <laughs> Um, from the creator side, uh, and this is something that I've run into again with like every publisher. A lot of times, due dates are given just at like what 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 the vibe is. Um, like literally, I've had uh, you know editors at like the big four like uh, print publishers at like comic publishers just be like, oh hey yeah, would this work for like a turn in? And like have other people be like, oh yeah, that's kind of right. And then I will respond to that email with. 
this little spreadsheet thing that I have, and I've like shared a couple of times, so I'll make sure to tweet it out after this panel. Um, that is literally like a you plug in the date that it currently you, you plug in the date that your due date is and how many pages the like project is, and it'll tell you how many pages per day, like yeah. every weekday, you would have to finish like from Thumbnail to completely Wait, what done. What's the name of this? I need this. To oh, uh, <laughs> like I'll, I'll, I'll post the link like on on Twitter on my Twitter right afterwards. But um, yeah, it's like the amount of times that I've like sent that over and been like, yeah, so you're gonna you're asking for this creator to do uh, five fully finished comic pages a day every weekday for the next six months to get this project done. And they're like, everybody from every publisher I've ever sent that to is like, oh, uh, no, that's not what we meant. And I'm like, why did you choose that date? Are you not like? doing the estimate and even creators too like almost every creator I know is just like yeah that date sounds like it would be doable and then I'm like are you cool with working through every weekend to get this done and they're like no I'm not I don't want to die and I'm like cool well then like you know like feel free advocate for yourself push back on like look you know I I need time to rest so that I don't kill my hands or kill my back Um, so yeah, just being aware of your physical limit, physical and mental limitations. Yeah, George is too nice to mention that he has also sent me that that day <laughs> in the past. <laughs> um, but like I mentioned previously, you know, so many of us at, at Top of Star creators ourselves, and when we're thinking about you know the studio side, which is like a brand new arm of the company, we're like, okay, how do we? approach it in a way where we would feel good about these types of things. And so we recently hired uh, this great guy named Michael Powell. They call him new Michael and they call me old Michael. It's like super offensive. Um, but uh, uh, what's really great is that, you know, Michael and, and Hayden Robel have been building in new production pipelines that allow for work-life balance. And it's like a really important topic, especially during COVID. Um, and especially to me, because I think part of the beauty of art is you know, being able to, you know, feel like it's a lived-in experience and it's, like, really beautiful. And the only way to, like, capture that is if if you're an artist to live life. And you can't really do that if you're constantly, you know, working, you know, trying to turn in multiple pages per day. Um, and so, yeah, time off, vacation, reducing burnout, I think is really important. Web, web comics has a really dark history of a lot of projects and a lot of stories never coming to an end because the creators get burned out. Um, and so creating that sustainability is really important to us as well. And like I mentioned at the top of the, of the panel, you know, just making sure that the creators have, you know, revenue share, backend splits, making sure that they have passive income while they're working. I think those are all incredibly important, undervalued things. You know, so much of our Traditional comics industry is work for hire, and, and that's super predatorial, you know? All of my favorite artists, like, growing up, you know, now they're much older, and they have to start GoFundMes for, like, medical insurance and stuff, and that's really heartbreaking. And I think for the future generation to really buy into the idea that this could be their living, we have to create better work environments, better prospects for them. And I think, you know, George is doing, you know, fighting the good fight and, and helping us progress towards that future as well. So, yeah. Yeah, I just, you know, a little bit of a swerve just really quickly when people were talking about, you know, advertising and that being a way to monetize a lot of the web. And, you know, this was a, a great dream of the past. And, you know, unfortunately, I mean, you know, my website is, is sort of advertised and supported also. You know, unfortunately, Facebook and Google have so wrapped up all the advertising. And, you know, it's a very bad system right now. It's a very, very bad system for the individual. And, um, you know, I hope somehow that gets democratized again so 
Oh my gosh, I think we only have five minutes left, and I want to let. Is there anybody here in the audience who has a question? Uh oh. Uh oh. boy. Oh no. Oh. Okay, one person is is just pointing like crazy, so I'm going to ask the person way back in the corner. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you come up so we can hear you? <laughs> oh my gosh! And well, if pick one person, pick a couple of them. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Well, line people up. line up, line up. <laughs> with them. Get up there, get up. Yeah, there. we're gonna have to be fast. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh boy! Oh my gosh! Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, let's go. Um, is it okay if I have two questions? Go ahead, okay, go, yeah. go, go. Okay, great. Um, so when it comes to world building in comics and mangas, do you feel like it's better to completely world build from the beginning or world build as you go? And well, then my last question is, when do you copyright your characters? Uh, you own your copyright the minute you do it. Okay. You own it from God. So they're automatic. Yeah, okay. automatically from, from God. <laughs> well, from the U.S. copyright law. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm a pretty good uh, creator myself when it comes to making comics, so my answer to you is tell the main character's story um, in your world. So don't worry about the rest of the world until it, it actually matters mm -hmm. because you actually got to make a product first, a minimum viable product. So mm -hmm. main character, their story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Is it okay if I ask two questions? I'll okay, go quick. ahead. Just go ahead. <laughs> um, how does one micromanage as, like, a creative? Because... As like yourself, you're just dealing with like scripting, art, and world building, and all this other stuff and meetings. What, what was the? I didn't hear the beginning of the question. Um, how does one micromanage their oh. time as a creative? Time management. Yeah. 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 I mean, cal literally, so much of my job with the creators I work with is Google Calendar. Is like, all right, hey, here are dates. Here's a spreadsheet for like checklists of the stages that you're in, any people you're working with, and uh, yeah, just. Like whatever whatever tool it is, if if like uh you know um any sort of platform service Airtable works for you, go with that. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like it's necessary that there's other media's um, that like other media's are like needed to be added to like build immersion? Like nowadays we see like music and like animation mm -hmm. like added into like webtoons now. Uh, I mean, I focus on the comic first, and yeah. then if you can throw, if you want to throw that stuff in, cool. That stuff's been tried a lot, and it's never as popular as the original. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Right? Yeah. Uh, hi. Uh, you uh, briefly talk about the exclusivity of the, you know, of the uh, comics. And I just wanted to know: is it usually non-exclusive or exclusive? And what is the usual term? That is in publishing, for example, usual books that are like five years terms and something like, like that. And I think Manuel said. Oh, are you talking that, about me? Oh. Uh, like it, I, I think you said that it's usually like a year, but is that usual? Well, or? well, a lot of people have longer deals and stuff like that. But Black Sands, we do um, uh, two-year options. So the first year is guaranteed, second year is optional for us, and we pay 50% more for the second year's license. Uh, just because we feel like if we kept it, then it obviously was doing something well, right? So you give more. Yeah. So a lot of comic publishers would do like five to seven year, like of the small, larger indies, would do like five to seven year deals. Big book publishers like the Big Four, Macmillan, Penguin Random House, et cetera, they'll typically be like, hey, we're going to be the publisher for life until we uh, like, you know, stop printing the book, in which case then it will go back to you. And, and for digital specifically, will that only be then 
for English, for example, for tapas, it only will be for English, that, and the creator will be able to license it in any other language it, that they want. That depends on if you or your agent negotiates negotiates for you to keep foreign language rights. Yeah, uh, for us, it's all about like creating a conversation with the creator where. We want to outline and, and get a better understanding of what success means to you. If you want us to work with you on like the worldwide rights, then we're happy to collaborate on that. So I think it's mainly about a conversation. The conversations are always easier when there is an agent involved because the agent is usually the one driving those conversations forward. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you. I unfortunately I've been told that we have to wrap it up, and I want to give the panel a chance to tell you uh, where to connect with them or what they want you to know about what's coming up next for them. Michael, you want to start? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, all of you can reach me via email. My email is michaelsun at tapasmedia.co. Um, feel free to ask me any questions. I'm always here to help. Um, and what's coming up next? Yeah, we got... Uh, we just released a really cool comic called Dr. Brain. Uh, it is also streaming on Apple TV. Um, it's very mind-blowing. Um, and uh, we got some really exciting projects to announce, uh, hopefully for the rest of this year and next year, but I will pass it along to, to Heidi. Uh, yeah, you can reach me at comicsbeat at gmail.com. Um, and my website is comicsbeat.com. And, you know, I have a lot of resources. I have, like, a resource page for creators, like how to break into comics. Um needs to be updated. I Obviously, seeing the questions here, I, I got some really great ideas for ways to update the page. But just getting solid information up there, because um, I know everybody always has a lot of questions about it. So, yeah, feel free to email me as, as well. Thank you. So you can reach me at info at organizedhavoc.com. Or you can find me, G. Rohack, at basically anywhere on the Internet. Twitter is the thing I sadly go to the most. Uh, yeah, and um, you can follow me at Black Sands Entertainment on any platform. You can also, right now, if you'd like, buy stock in my company because I'm, <laughs> I haven't closed out my last investment round yet. I'm currently at $886,000 raised uh, of my million-dollar goal for BSP Comics in order to expand the app. So, you know... If you like it, buy it, right? Download the app first, though, and see if you like it. <laughs> and, and I'll be taking questions outside because, yeah. you know, I am not working this weekend, so uh, I'm just going to chill. Yeah. All right. I'll also say that if you are interested in kids or YA comics, uh, you can join my community called kidscomicsunite.com, and it's a fun place to connect with other creators. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Should we get a picture together? Oh, yeah, picture. Oh, picture. We should get a picture.